want to be a CEO? It's a tough mountain to climb. I'm finding out how to get there and what to do once you make it to the top. I'm Michael Thompson, and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson. Philip Levinson is a CEO, he's a CEO mentor, and the author of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. G'day, Lev. G'day, Michael. So today we're talking about what Three Peaks actually means. It's not just a title that you've plucked out of the air for the podcast or for the uh, title of your book. It's essentially a roadmap. It has a lot of meaning. Each peak represents something else that you'll have to encounter across the journey to become a CEO. So I figured we'd take a bit of time today to really go through each one. And to do that, we actually have to start before the first peak. We have to start in the foothills. That's exactly right. Tell me about the foothills. Very early on in my career, I decided that I aspired to be the boss. Um, In fact, I'd walked into my first job and saw the boss, saw the high regard in which he was held and thought, one day I want to get there. I um, watched numerous leaders and tried to pick some of their style and their way of going about leadership. Some were terrific, some were appalling. And decided to try and work out my, my own way. But to me, the, the, the essence of leadership was taking responsibility, as we talked about, but also it was setting the course and it was setting the course to doing something that, that was actually meaningful as opposed to just doing a job. So when you talk then about the foothills as being the, the, the kind of start of that journey, there's three peaks, but the, they start in the foothills. It is about setting your sights on that goal knowing kind of where you want to, where you want to be, kind of looking up at that first peak yeah. and going, I want to be the boss, I want to be the CEO, Yeah, knowing that you're doing it for the right reasons, not as we discussed in the last episode for the money, for the power, for the title, yeah. but because you want to make a difference, because yeah. you feel you are actually able to steer the company in a in a direction, in the right direction, yeah. hopefully. Okay, so we've got the, the, the foothills then. There's a lot of preparation which we'll go into in a little bit. What's the first peak? So the first peak for me is the thing that's right in front of you. This sounds trite. I'll give you an example. On my first day in the job as CEO, which I'd aspire to my entire business career, the senior management team were called together and I said, uh, hi, I'm Lev. As you know, I now I'm in the role. Is there anything that I need to know that I didn't know before I started? And there was a bit of muttering around the table and they said, well, uh, you know, a third of the staff are about to leave because they haven't had a pay rise for three years. Fantastic. So I thought, well, I, I could have done with knowing that before, but that to me was the first peak. It's the thing that's going to get you. It's the thing that's going to um, have the greatest impact if you don't get it right. It's going to have the greatest impact on the rest of your tenure. So if you were to look at it as a, as a period of time, it's the first 100 days. It's dealing with all of the issues that are going to get you in the first 100 days that are going to prevent you from actually doing what you want to do, which is effectively the second peak. And I suppose that that, that first 100 days uh, it'll also be a bit of a honeymoon period, isn't it? It's probably where you're not necessarily going to be um, – is there an assumption that you don't yet know everything or should you be going into it knowing everything that you possibly can about the company already so that you can hit the ground running? Yeah, great question. If you think that you know about the company before you start or as you start, then you're making a very, very big mistake. Yep. Because as I, as I described, it's only the stuff that they will only tell you when you join that, um, <laughs> that is, is useful. 
yeah. all the rest of it, you know, the, the, the preparation, the, 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 uh, reviewing, reverse interviewing the board, interesting mm-hmm. one, the due diligence that you do on the company, uh, in the marketplace with peers, yeah. with, with, uh, securities analysts, with, um, clients, with, uh, suppliers, you should, you should do all that, you know, tell me about this company and you get quite a good picture. But if you think that in the first hundred days that you are, you have sufficient knowledge to make great proclamations, then you're, again, you're making a terrible mistake. But you described it as a honeymoon period. I would say that it's anything but. Really? It is your baptism of fire. So you, you will be judged harshly by your first hundred days. You get it wrong. You know, it's recoverable, but you really are posi- putting yourself in a position that you're just going to have to be running uphill for the rest of your time. Suddenly that second peak is a lot, lot higher. It a is. A lot harder to scale. It is, yeah. Yeah. So my advice would be take a step back. Yeah. My advice would be, you know, listen. That's the first thing. Listen to what you're being told and watch. Watch how you're being told things. You know, mm-hmm. people might be telling you something and shaking their heads. Listen to who's telling you or watch who's telling you. What are they telling you? Why are they telling you this? On that, how easy is it to then get bogged down in trying to fix problems in the first 100 days? Because I can imagine that you would walk in there and you would be confronted by a lot of these issues, things like, as you mentioned, a third of the staff not having had pay rises for three years. How difficult is it to try and focus on something beyond just fixing those immediate problems and trying to trying to make an immediate impact knowing that you still need to be using that time to set yourself up for success yeah. over the longer term. Yeah. Look, to my shame, this isn't what I did, but this is what I would recommend that one does. What I recommend is that you bite off the pieces that you can chew. So you deal with the first issue and the issues that are going to get you, the, the issues that are really paramount. But you give yourself time to set the strategy, to set the tone, to set the uh, direction of the company without making proclamations. Because mm-hmm. if you make a proclamation in the first three months that relates to the strategy, the strategic direction of the company or to the a, a new initiative or to something that you're doing to show how clever you are, then that's going to come back and bite you. What you need to do, and the reason it's 100 days is it's three months. It's not also the period between board meetings. So you've probably had your first board meeting as you've gone in. And by your next board meeting, hopefully the board's cut you some slack, but they expect things to have been done within that period of time. It's also a reporting, you know, 90 days is your reporting Mm -hmm. period. So again, it's coincident, but that's not just related to public companies. It's, it's any company. Just don't go in as the all seeing, all knowing savior of the company. Start issuing proclamations, start changing the strategic direction in the first hundred days. So you said that that was not what you did. No. What, what did you do? I did it. I did exactly the opposite. Right. Uh, and I was pulled back, yeah. fortunately, by the board who said, you're going a little bit fast. Really? Um, and I was dealing with, you know, I was threatened with legal action in my first week personally, and the company was threatened with it, which was great because it gave me something to focus the, the uh, attention of the senior team on. It gave me the opportunity to get rid of a particularly vexatious and litigious shareholder. And it gave me the opportunity to, to take leadership and to, and to show direction. And uh, so I couldn't have scripted that better. But as a result, there were a lot of things that I didn't do. 
I didn't start the listening process until quite late. I assumed way too much. By the end of the first hundred days, I knew less than I should have done. And you've been a CEO more than once. Yeah. Did you learn from that mistake the second time? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, going in the first hundred days of my next appointment were, I mean, the highlight of which was our IPO. Yeah. So all of a sudden we'd gone from being a non-existent entity to being a public company listed on the Singapore Stock Exchange, bang the gong, everything's great. And I called the senior team in and said, right, from now on, all eyes are on us. This is it. Before we, we could hide in the shadows. Now we're in the public eye. There's a lot of scrutiny all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah. And we were ready for it. Okay. So that's the first 100 days. That's peak number one. Yeah. Peak number two is loosely, we could say it's the, the next kind of the first one to four years of that, that period. And I suppose that also is based on, on what is the typical tenure of a, of a CEO, which is around five years. Is that right? Four to five years. Yes. So you don't have long. You don't want to make an impact. No, that's exactly right. So you look at the second peak, but you have to have scaled the first peak in order to be able to see the second peak. You look at the second peak, it's actually doing the job. It's having established the strategic direction of the company, having communicated with stakeholders, having uh, made sure that the bits that are going to get you are diminished. This is actually running the company. This is This is doing what you're being paid to do run the company. But in tandem, you're also, you should also be slightly ahead of the company as a sort of forward scout, looking at what's going on in the industry. Great example, retail real estate. You know, if you, if you'd come into retail real estate five years ago, you would have seen the vestiges of a, of a a disruption that was really going to, as we've seen, overturn or upturn the industry. As a CEO, you need to be out there on the second peak looking at that and deciding how your company is going to weather that storm. And so then I suppose if you've really kind of got in the back of your mind that you've got maybe um, one to, to four years in this in this part of the, the process, the, the goal is to get your strategy in place as quickly as you can. And if you are a, a, a good CEO, if you are a, basically just, if you've got the best interest of the company at heart, you are looking at setting up something that will outlast you. You will set up, you'll be setting up a strategy that will, that will remain in place long after you've hit that perhaps five year expiry date for your own yeah. personal time at the company. I think it's the greatest compliment that you can be paid is the fact that the entity that you were part of yeah. is gone, is, is, as you said before, it, you've left it a better place. Mm. which actually is the third peak. Perfect. Uh, segue onto it. The third peak is the exit plan. Is that right? It is. And it actually, I mean, on my first day in my new CEO job, the phone rang and it was a CEO mentor of mine who said, what's your next job? And I said, that's a ridiculous question. I've only just started. I haven't even found out where the bathrooms are yet. And he said, if you don't have a plan for your next job at the beginning of your first job, you're going to be in a world of pain at some point. So you have in the back of your mind a plan and that plan comes to fruition either by your own design or typically, particularly in the role of CEO of public companies, uh, when you're called in for a coffee with the chairman. Which is probably not a good sign. 
typically. Uh, yeah. Typically a coffee with the chairman isn't isn't unless the chairman just happens to be a really jovial, friendly bloke who we'll just get likes on to, to catch up. Actually it's a very good point because the relationship between CEO and chair is mm. absolutely critical and it's and it is a huge part yeah. of being able to do the job effectively. Yeah. And when we're talking about the exit uh, and planning for the next role, we're not talking about anything over, as overt as actually being out there necessarily talking to kind of recruiters, or, but it's about making sure that you are um, being seen to be doing a good job, being seen to to demonstrate the skills that you've been hired for and exceeding those yep. so that the next job, perhaps a bigger company, a different company that, that you might be interested in, in working for sees you and goes, well, that's the bloke we want running our. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you should never be running the company with your total focus being on the next job, but you should also have in the back of your mind that you are going to need to have a plan and you are going to need to exit and you're going to need to exit gracefully. You're going to have a, need a succession plan and you need um, very clear rules of engagement for your exit. Throwing up your hands and saying, bollocks to this, I'm out of here, uh, as we'll see, is not a smart move. Just on that, before we go any further, one piece of advice in your book was don't resign. Don't say, I think I'm going to have to resign or I think I'm going to resign. There is great importance and, and strategic significance in not saying that because you can set yourself up much better for an exit that is is going to be more favourable. Absolutely. And look, I wish I could take credit for that quote, but I yeah. can't. That's That quote was John Churchill, who's my lawyer, who you'll meet down the track in these podcasts, who used to tell me on a regular basis, don't you dare resign. Because once you resign, the the onus and impetus goes to the other side. Yeah. Whereas if you come to an amicable agreement – then you get to control the messaging and 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 to a large part the method of your of your exit. You know, if you um, if you resign, then the first thing that's going to happen is that the company is going to tell the media or whoever the stakeholders are that you've left to spend more time with your family, and you might as well say we axed him because he's an idiot or she. So we've gone through the the foothills, we've gone through the the, the three peaks, and the follow it. I suppose what this kind of then suggests is that you can't just barrel into the job and think that you're going to be able to find your way through it. You really need to, if if being a CEO is is something that you want to do, something that you're aspiring to, you really do need to be taking a pretty, I don't want to say it, but holistic view of it as a, and again, I don't want to say this either, but a journey. It uh, is. Because if, uh, if you don't, if you're not preparing for the end at the beginning, then you could get caught out. Oh, you will. You will. Yeah. Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face. You need a plan. You need it to be capable of adaptation, but you need to have something that you go back to and you need to have, it is a journey and you need to understand that it's quite linear. You mentioned that your exit was brought up on your first day. You were asked, what's your next job? Yeah. You hadn't really given it much thought. None then. whatsoever. But did you start looking Absolutely around? Did not. you start talking to people then or no. did you just file that away? As- I filed that away. Okay. I wrote it down in my book, in my, in my day book and thought that's an interesting comment and then kept going and didn't give it a moment's thought. So how then did your next job come about? Well, I've, over the course of three years, my job was effectively to, to stabilize the company and then sell it, which we did. And, uh, 
you know, the conundrum you're faced when you're selling the, a company to somebody else is who are you acting for? Are you acting for your company or are you acting for your next potential employer? If you're acting for the company, you've got to realize that their next em- potential employer is not really going to like you very much at the end of the process. So it was pretty obvious that I needed to do something else. All right. So next episode, we're going to get into preparation because there's obviously an awful lot we need to discuss about how you get there in the first place. There's a lot to do once you get into the job, but taking that step into the CEO's office is is a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, a, there's plenty for us to discuss on that one. Make sure you've pre-ordered your copy of Three Peaks Leadership, How to Make It as a CEO and Beyond. The book's released in March of 2021. So if you pre-order now through Booktopia, uh, through Dimmix or through Amazon or basically any website that sells books you can pretty much guarantee that you'll be one of the first to get your hands on it when it's released in March and remember if you hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app you'll get the next episode of the podcast when it's released I'm Michael Thompson and this is Three Peaks Leadership with Philip Levinson thank you